It is good to be back with you again today. I'm looking forward to this new series that we're about to start, Love in Any Language. Kind of looking at different relationships that we have in our life and seeing how just the love that we develop and grow in those, that it's going to make a change and it's going to cause us to grow closer. I can't wait, however, not only to start this series, but hopefully in the middle of this series, at some point, we'll be able to begin gathering together once more here at the church building. And I'm looking forward to that day. Until then, I just pray that you continue to use this type of medium to, to share with your friends and with your family the, just the wonderful messages that we're hearing from uh, our children's ministry and our youth ministry and, and just the worship that's taking place as Rob sings and uh, leads us to, to lift up our voices in Christ. But uh, I want to start with a new series for you today. Uh, love in any language. But let's begin first with a passage of Scripture. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then in Titus, chapter 2, Paul tells Titus, And so train the younger women to love their husbands and children. As we begin our series, uh, I want us to first look at the relationship between the man and the woman especially when it comes to that relationship of marriage. Camping, I think, has been a, a favorite pastime for many families, especially here in America. Getting out into the world and, and, and experiencing God's creation in, in all of its beauty, and, and it has a way of just kind of refreshing the soul and, and challenging us to take a step back from the hectic pace of life that we've created for ourselves and breathing in the fresh air and smelling the aromas of spring and, and, and listening to the sounds of nature and, and wildlife, feeling the warmth of the sun and, and the cool breeze of the evening shade. And, and just gazing upon that, maybe that's that panoramic view from a mountaintop as, as you look to the world below. All of that has a way of, of just drawing us in for an experience of a lifetime. Now, I must admit, there are just some things that, that attract us when a campfire has been started and we gather around that fire and we begin to sing songs and, and, and we roast some marshmallows and we snuggle up next to those that we love and, and we try just to experience the, that moment in its, in its beauty as well. The crackle and the, the snap of the fire as it glows with its intensity and the ability that it has to, to change not only the temperature around it but also the mood. I don't know anyone who doesn't find the fascination of the flames something just to focus on and to stare into. And that beautiful fire sets the, the mood for introspection and dreams. As a family, we've done a lot of camping through the years in a lot of different locations around our country here. We've, we've been camping up in the mountains to the seas, from the rivers to the lakes, from, from the just the prairies to the, to the valleys, Lost Valley in particular as well. Camping has a way of causing us to, to strengthen our relationships as we learn of each other's fears and, and, and our personal struggles, struggles and we begin to focus on our dreams and our, and our uh, aspirations. If you spend an evening outside just lying on a blanket, looking up at the stars at night and just imagining what God has done to create this universe, uh, it, it, it kind of gives us this, this ability to recognize that we're not alone, that God has done something unique. And if you could just lay there with your loved ones, and maybe, might not take the effort here during our time of social distancing, and keeping ourselves physically apart, that you might spend just a moment with a blanket on a hillside, looking up at the stars with the one that you, you really want to spend time with. 
get reacquainted with each other, and not only with each other, but with creation as well. Enjoying what God has created for us, it's, it's just unbelievable. God's creation is, is beautiful, but not only the world but also in our relationships that God has created, there is beauty there. So over the next five weeks, we are going to examine those relationships as we discuss this love in any language from a biblical perspective. Like, like building a campfire in the wilderness, our marriages are built and they're maintained by the preparation and the ongoing attention that we give to them. Passion is often described in terms of a fire, uh, or such as, you know, our hearts are on fire. There's this burning love that we have for one another. Jane Austen, she said, to love is to burn, to be on fire. Jane Crawford, she said this, she says, love is a fire, but whether it is going to warm your hearth or burn down your house, you can never know. Uh, Bruce Lee, he's that famous romantic and martial artist. He said this, Love is like a friendship caught on fire. In the beginning, a flame, very pretty, often hot and fierce, but still only a light and flickering. As love grows older, our hearts mature, and our love becomes as coals, deep burning and unquenchable. Donny Osmond, he sang this song. He said, I'd swim a river if the river was wide. I'd, I'd climb a mountain if the mountain was high. I'd do anything, girl, just to be by your side. I'm out of my mind. My love is a fire. Unfortunately, not all fires of love are good. Matter of fact, the 20th century romanticist and poet Mary Webb said this. She said, to many women, marriage is only this. It is merely a physical change impinging on their ordinary nature, leaving their mentally untouched, their self-possession intact, and they are not burnt by even the red fire of physical passion, far less by the white fire of love. So this morning I want us to spend some time doing a comparison of what it is and what it takes to build a fire, and what it takes to build a marriage. As we begin, Proverbs 18, verse 22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Well, it all begins with learning to love. And learning to love is not an easy process. Even though we speak of it as falling in love, and trust me, falling is an extremely easy thing for many people to do. They do it over and over and over again. So how do we learn to build this fire of love? Well, let me run you through a few things. The first thing is this. You, you, need, you need to gather materials. Tinder, for example. Tinder is, is that quick burning element that, that catch fire immediately, and then they, they soon burn out. Yet they are extremely important in building a fire. Without them, the, the fire has, has no chance of ever really being started. So, so we keep our tinder, we keep it dry and protected and safe so that it works immediately when we need to use it and when sparks begin to fly. Well, tinder, or may I use the word tender, as we might interject our thoughts when this reference to our relationships, those are the little things that we notice that are attractive to us, and it's different really for both men and women. 
For men, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but all it takes is the twinkle of the eye or the shape of the figure or the aroma of her perfume and, 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 and the fire has been lit. And, and we noticed the littlest things, and they catch our attention. Listen to what Song of Solomon says as the groom is trying to speak to his bride. He says, you have captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. You have captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. And in verse five, chapter 5, he says, how beautiful are your feet and sandals, O noble daughter. Your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work of a master hand. Your navel is a rounded bowl that never lacks mixed wine. Your belly is heap of wheat encircled with lily. Your two, well, we get the picture. We, men are tendered by, by the slightest things that the fire then is born. And I need to caution you in this moment that lust can be born very quickly and very easily. So, fellas, you need to guard your heart Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 28, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So while we look, be attentive to how you look and where you allow it to lead you. Women, it, it's beginning to appear to me that the look is also incredibly important and significant to you as well. But I'm also aware that it goes much more beyond just the visualization for the, for the real fire to start in your heart. I mean, your tender or tender is brought about by the gentle spoken words, the kindness that is shown, the, the feeling of security and, and attentiveness. And when you discover a man who stands out above all the others... And he notices you even when the boys are around. Spark has been lit. So let's listen to what the bride says in Song of Solomon chapter 2. As she speaks about her beloved. She says, as an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among young men. With great delight I sat in his shadow, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me is love. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. See, because if you do that too quickly, that tinder burns out quick. So you also need to have what we call kindling. Now kindling, those are the smaller pieces of wood, the, the branches and the bits that they take a little bit longer to burn out, yet they create a good flame in order to sustain what's to come next. So we need to gather our kindling for our fire. Friendship, dating, courtship, a natural process of what comes next in building the, the marriage relationship. So we begin to spend time together. And, and, and then we get to know each other a little more. And growing closer and closer each and every day until we're ready for the real heat, marriage. And it's in this kindling, I think, that we find hope for something that is going to last and will bring us the warm fires of love for a lifetime. 
Well, once you've got your, your, your tinder and your kindling, you also need to have more fuel that you're going to throw on your fire. And this fuel, these are the logs that have within them the longevity to burn even through the nighttime. And from these, the greatest heat is experienced and the fire can grow to its intensity. In a relationship between a man and a woman, herein lies the covenant, the, the, the contract, the engagement, the marriage, the commitment the longevity of that type of fire that's going to burn. And there is within that something that is sustainable. And in that kind of love and within the fuel of marriage, you'll discover the dreams for a better tomorrow and your happily ever after that you're always searching for. While different logs produce different types of flames and intensity of heat, what you put into your marriage is the same. So I want to ask you, what are you fueling your marriage with? It's a good question that we need to examine for ourselves. Well, now that we've got all our materials together, we've got our tinder, our kindling, and our logs for fuel, we, we need to light the fire. And lighting the fire is an interesting aspect of it all as well. Sometimes you might need to use an accelerant. And accelerants, those are the times when you may need to add something that, that for the fire to get it started really quickly and it just booms and goes real fast because we've got to be careful though what we add. You, you don't want things to get out of control too fast and, and not to where you really want them to be. For some, it, it's the matchstick. And, and, and for others, it's a stick of dynamite. But uh, I prefer using kerosene or, or diesel fuel. It settles into the wood and, and it doesn't explode rapidly. I mean, I've singed my eyebrows a few times on the gasoline that I've dumped in there or the lighter fuel at the barbecue pit. The same thing really is true about our relationships in love. A flower here, a passionate note there, a, an apple pie, a, a glass of sweet tea, that just might do the trick and hit the spot. But... You need to beware that too much of a good thing can still be too much. And that kind of love can be explosive. It can start quickly as a fire, but it will also quickly burn out. Jerry Lee Lewis, a famous poet and musician, he said this in his song that was his signature song. He said, you shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. Too much love drives a man insane. You broke my will. Oh, what a thrill. Goodness gracious, great balls of fire. Most fires, I think, require not only an acceleration, but I think they require patience and hard work. I mean, be sure that rubbing two sticks together is going to generate a fire. I mean, friction always creates heat, and heat then eventually will turn into flames. It just has a way of heating things up, but probably not going to take three seconds. You're going to have to work at that for a long time. It may take minutes. It may take hours. It may take a long time for you to actually figure out how to do that with those two pieces of wood. You might then begin using a magnifying glass or, or probably some other unconventional method of materials like a chocolate bar and a soda can, and you can start your fire with that. You see... We need to be prepared that the love in our life and the relationships we have, they may take a long time to really grow. So we've got to have patience and we've got to be experiencing, willing to have that hard work in there. 
two weeks romances or love at first sight romance. I mean, it sounds romantic. It sounds wonderful. But those aren't common. Those are very far away from what we would consider common in life. I mean, they do happen. And often we give away more than what we should before our marriage because we're searching for that quick romance. But relationships that are a lifetime, they take a lifetime to build. Sometimes it begins with months and even years before you're really ready to make that commitment. Building trust and confidence isn't developed through speed dating. Jacob, he had to work 14 years before he could have the love of his life, his wife Rachel. And so he worked for his father-in-law in hopes that he would be able to have her as his bride. But it was worth it to him. Well, once you've got your fire going, then you need to also provide more fuel. It started, but I guarantee it's going to go out. And the same thing happens in love. You need to remember that we have to pay attention to the flames. You can't just start a campfire and walk away. If you really want to be of benefit to you, you need to add a little bit now and then of some extra fuel and pay attention to it. You may even need to fan the flames to generate some flames. Here's what the bigger logs come in. It's when you take and you put them in that fire, they're larger and they're denser and great for creating a lasting heat. Also, it's from those logs that, which come the embers that remain once all the fire has gone out. Cooking over coals sometimes is a lot better than, than putting it over the flames and searing and burning your meat. So we long for that long, continuous heat that is within that relationship. And even in a marriage relationship, you'll need to keep attention to your love. Love doesn't come easy, and it requires patience, it requires work, it requires a lot of effort on your part. It's not a 50-50 relationship, it's 100%, 100% between the two people. And over time, you'll discover that your love for each other continues to grow and the fire begins to rage. But problems often arise at the beginning of a fire. And if you don't attend to it, it may go out. And the same is true about love in a marriage relationship. It needs constant attention. And I think a lot of couples are surprised after they first get married that things aren't as they had once hoped or dreamed or imagined. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus speaks to the issue of falling out of love and breaking up a marriage relationship. And I think it's important that we pay attention to what he has to say here. So in Mark chapter 10, verses 2 through 9, he says, Pharisees came up and they ordered in order to test him. And they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, Well, what did Moses command you? And they said, Well, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man 
separate. And in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And what Jesus is saying here is that once married, you should do everything possible within your power to maintain that marriage relationship. The two of you have become one person, and there's nothing and no one that should attempt to separate that. And the last part about divorce and adultery is something we need to understand in our throwaway society. What he is saying is that even though you have divorced your spouse, God still desires reconciliation. And when you marry someone, you essentially break that covenant and that opportunity to reconcile with your first spouse. And all hopes of that reconciliation, you've adulterated the marriage covenant. In other words, you need to keep your fire in your own fire pit. And if you allow it to spread out, it destroys other places. Remember, Smokey the Bear said, only you can prevent forest fires. And the same is true about divorce. The author of Hebrews has more to say on this subject, and and he says it in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. He says, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. So you need to keep your marriage bed pure. Don't go playing in someone else's fire pit. Stay where yours has been lit and there alone. Well, we paid attention to our our fire, but now we need to begin to feed the flames. And if you throw all your wood on the fire at the beginning, it's all going to burn out real fast, and you're going to need to stoke that fire through the duration. Now, there's a person that's called a fireman, a stoker. Uh, um, he's a person whose occupation was to tend the fires for the running of the boiler, uh, heating a building or powering a steam engine, especially on the railroad uh, like the Cannonball Express or a steamship like the Titanic. And much of the job is hard physical labor. And it requires just shoveling the fuel and, and into the boiler's firebox. Now, on a steam locomotive... The title fireman is usually used while on steam ships and stationary steam engines, uh, they would use the idea that would be called a stoker. And their job was to constantly maintain the fire so the machine could operate at its maximum performance based upon the engineer's demands. And stoking the fires of marriage requires even more work than that of the fireman or the stoker on a steamship and locomotive. It's going to require a lot of hard work. You've got to pay attention to your spouse to keep that fire burning at its best intensity the way God has designed it. Otherwise, you're going to start searching for other fires to play with. Ephesians chapter 5 has a lot to say to us about God's expectations of walking in the Christian life. And I'd encourage you to look at the first 21 verses of Ephesians chapter 5 because it really builds into where we're coming here at the, at the end part of this passage in, in Ephesians chapter 5 beginning in verse 22. And so you need to learn how to apply what it says there because it's going to help feed the flames of any and all relationships you have. But let's turn now towards verse 22 and carefully listen to what Paul has to say about your position in marriage, whether you're the husband or the wife. 
life and pay attention to their attitude and to their action. He begins by saying this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, as he is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And husbands, love your wives. Now, catch this. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. It's the action of Christ on his church. It's the action of the husband on the wife. He goes on, he says, In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of the body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, now I just want you to, to let that sink in. I'm not going to expound on it. I think it says enough of its own. But recognize where you are as a husband and as a wife and your role that you play, whether you are Christ or his bride. And see if that might make a difference in your life. Peter has to throw his two cents in as well. And so in 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 7, verse 1 through verse 7, he makes this statement. He says, Likewise, wives, be subject to the, your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, that means husbands, that they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is God's sight, is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Men, if you want God to answer your prayers, He's conditioning it upon how you treat your wives. So I think it's important that we listen to not only Paul and to Peter, but to take the examples that they're setting for us in a godly relationship called marriage. Well, let's say you've been married for a while, 
And, and the embers have begun to cool, and there is no steaming hot fire in your life. What do you need to do? Well, we need to rekindle it. So we need to learn how we can rekindling love. So what's that going to take? Well, rekindling love means that you have got to search for those embers. And you've got to find the embers in what used to be the fire of your relationship. You need to may, maybe go gently and blow the ash off the embers to find them. But once you do, when you gather them together, you'll discover that they can still create quite a fire. So don't walk away. That's the second thing you need to pay attention to. Um, too often people leave the embers hidden under the ash thinking that the fire is out and only discover later that it really wasn't. And it, the wind begins to blow and they'll ignite once more, but you won't be there for them to benefit you. The same thing is true in our marriage relationships. You see, it's, I've heard way too often that the fire has gone out of our marriage, and I just don't see it working out anymore. But they're wrong. You see, love isn't a fire that comes and goes on a whim or an emotion. Love is created and it is directed. It takes effort and work to rekindle one that seems to have diminished, but it can be rekindled. So how do we go about rekindling our love in our marriage? Well, that's another sermon for another day, and hopefully we'll do that soon. But let me tell you that it is remarkably similar to the process of what it takes to start a fire in the first place. You remember, you've got to gather fresh materials. The tinder, the kindling, the fuel. You need to relight that fire with an accelerant, possibly, or maybe you take some patience and some hard work to go through it. And finally, you need to provide more fuel, attentiveness to the flames, and feeding those flames will generate a marriage fire to once again start to build. So, how is your fire burning? I mean, is your marriage strong and effective, or is it dying out? I mean, what have you done lately to ignite the passionate love that burns with the intensity of a raging fire with your spouse? Now, let me ask you, as the bride of Christ, what are you doing to stoke the flames of your love relationship with Jesus you see, it comes down to this. Jesus loves you, and He loves you more than you can possibly even begin to understand. But He wants you to love Him back. And you've got to be attentive to that love. And the way that you do that is by constantly keeping Him in your life, by reading His Word on a daily basis, by, by communicating with Him through prayer, by, by introducing other people to Him and letting them know that you're married and that ring that you have upon your heart is His and His alone. And that you're not going to adulterate yourself with any other God out there, but you are going to put Him first and foremost in your life. If you've never entered into that love relationship with Jesus... I want to introduce it to him. I'll even set you up on a blind date. Maybe you've never seen him, but I guarantee you're going to love him when you do. And what he has to offer you is exactly what you need. And he is the perfect one for your salvation. 
let's begin. Maybe you need to surrender just and say, I'm willing to throw it all in. And I want to start this fire in my heart for Christ. I'm willing to sit down and talk with you. The staff here are, the elders are. I'm sure there's anybody that, that has a relationship with Christ that will do that for you. And that marriage ceremony takes place in your baptism, in your immersion into the watery grave that He has called us to His own. And when you are united with Him in His name, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, you are then come raised up out of that water, the bride, fully His, beautifully adorned and gracious. Don't let it pass. Begin today. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would work within us a way that we can begin to set that fire ablaze in our hearts for you and for our, our partner in life, our spouse, our marriage of our husband and our wife. Father, may we love them with an intensity that never burns out. May we be uh, attracted to it always so that we'll keep feeding the, the fuel there so that it, it will never burn out. And Father, it will be a light not only to, to keep us warm together, but it will be an example for other people as well, how they might have something that is so desirable. But it all has to be based upon you and your word. Father, will you work within us each and every day to love those around us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.